You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to my favorite Islanders game, the podcast from Lighthouse Hockey, in which Islanders fans call in and share their most memorable game experiences. My name is Dan Saracini. Uh, thank you, everybody, for uh, the great response for our first episode. Uh, the downloads were great. People seem to really like it. So we're back for some more with some more great stories. Our number to call for you to share your Islanders game story is 646 980 8857. I'm going to repeat that a couple more times throughout the episode. Uh, we got a, a ton of great stories, so let's dive right in and get right to it. Our first story comes from George, and it's another 1980 Stanley Cup story, but it's got a little bit of a twist. Uh, anybody uh, who remembers that time period, uh, the 70s, might remember uh, a show on TV called Love American Style. I'm going to just going to let George roll, but I'm going to call this one Love Islander Style. So take it away, George. Hi, my name is George. I live in the Boston area, and I moved from Long Island in 1987. Uh, my fa- my most memorable game uh, needs a little build-up. Um, in the 70s, we were part of the fan clubs that were around. There was, you know, the Lilco Line fan club, which was, uh, you know, Brian Tridia, Clark Gillies, Billy Harris, 
kid from Quebec came by the next year, and there were four in the fan club. But the most active fan club um, was Nystrom and Howitt fan club. My sister is the one that got me into the Islanders. She's 10 years older than me. So her kind of cohort of friends, a couple of them met each other in the fan club, and love ensued, and they ended up, you know, started dating and getting married. So they announced their wedding, I think it was the summer of 79, so it was after that heartbreak loss against the Rangers, and they announced their wedding date of May 24th, 1980. And they did it during the day, just in case the Islanders happened to make it to the Stanley Cup final. But after that loss to the Rangers, there was a lot of doubt that they would ever get there. So leading up to the wedding in that week, it was obvious, it became apparent that there might be a game that night. So what was planned was everybody was going to go to the wedding and then just head over to the Coliseum that night for the game. And Thursday, NBC decided, oh, we're going to televise our first hockey game in 10 years, and the game is going to be at 1 p.m., I remember my sister being like, they changed the game, <laughs> what do we do? And because um, she was the maid of honor at the wedding. And the everybody all the, everybody from the fan club went to the game. And so I got to go to that game. I got somebody's tickets. It was very ironic that, you know, the head of the Nystrom fan club did not get to go to the Stanley Cup game. And, of course, you know, Bobby scored. So what I do remember from that game, I remember Dwayne Sutter's goal, everybody cheering, and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, no, that, that was clearly offside. I was, they, they, they can't count that goal. That was so obvious. Another thing I remember is in between the second and third periods, right, we had a two-goal lead. And I remember thinking, please, organists, do not play We Are the Champions. Because two years prior, the organists played We Are the Champions heading into overtime at Game 7. I was at that game with Lanny McDonald. So I was, oh, please don't do that. But there was definite a, a huge buzz. I mean, such a buzz in the arena that I never felt before uh, in between that second and third period. And, of course, we know what happened in the third period. And then there was a lot of angst <laughs> going into overtime. And overtime was very stressful. But I remember seeing on the other end of the ice, you see that red light go on? And it was pandemonium. People were, I was hugging people, didn't even know them. The, I've never felt the Coliseum shake like that. I thought the 300 section was going to fall down. Um, and it was, that was an amazing experience. And, uh, of course I still have the ticket stub. So that's, that's my, that's my most memorable game. And I was very fortunate to go and other people were, not so fortunate, but then they got to see uh, two other cup wins at the Coliseum, at least. Thanks, George. Uh, that's a great story. And I got to tell you, the image of everybody in the fan club being at the game, except for the two people getting married, really cracks me up. I find it very funny. I don't know if it really worked out that way, but it is a pretty funny story. Uh, our next story comes from Thomas, who, like George, is another out-of-town fan. Uh, but uh, Thomas tells the story of when he got to be uh, a home fan for once and uh, how uh, illuminating it was. All right, go ahead, Thomas. Hi, Dan. My name's Thomas. I'm from, I live in Florida, originally from Hicksville. Um, I moved from the island in 
three, so I'm old enough to remember the Tourjon run as I'm 35 years old. <clears throat> My favorite Islander game is actually just last year where in Brooklyn, my wife surprised me with a trip to Brooklyn for 24 hours where the Islanders won in overtime with Ryan Pollock winning four to three. The reason it's my favorite is because number one, my wife knows I'm such a huge Islanders fan. She's actually from Florida. We've been to plenty of Tampa Bay Lightning games versus the Islanders. And so I've had to dealt with 16,000 Lightning fans throughout the years. But she surprised me for Christmas and was able to get us a trip for February up to Brooklyn. And it was fantastic. Um, the lights, the experiences, I know everyone's got their reservations about Brooklyn. But from an Islander stand in Florida, you have to understand that Brooklyn was a home game for me. So I was not able to make it out to uh, Nassau Coliseum, which I hope to do before Belmont, and I've already made plans to tell my wife that we will be at Belmont for the first season. So, anyways, just the sights and the sounds and, you know, 15,000 Islander fans rather than 15,000 Lightning fans and getting to do the yes, yes, yes chant and also winning in overtime for a Christmas present. I don't think you can beat that. Thanks, Thomas. Yes, uh, doing the yes, yes, yes chant at an Islanders overtime win definitely sounds like a cool Christmas present. It's definitely better than you know leading a yes, yes, yes chant around your dinner table uh, on Christmas Day. Your family might think you're a little bit crazy. But thanks for the story. That was great. Our next story comes from Paul, who's an Islanders fan from even further away than either Florida or Boston. And uh, he tells a story that of a game that uh, I'm sure is near and dear to a lot of people's hearts, uh, including Ray Ferraro and David Volek. So go ahead, Paul. Hey guys, uh, my name is Paul Correa from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Yes, that's right, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Under fan. Oh man, I'm 43 years old. I had Islander pajamas. Bossy was my favorite, but my favorite game. Never forget this. 1993 playoffs. I believe it was a Sunday afternoon. Ferraro to Volek. Through Barrasso's wickets, game seven, what a win. I remember jumping up and down at my parents' uh, parents' house, jumping up and down, boom, 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 the floor going nuts. That is my favorite game. I, I No doubt about it. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Paul. Uh, short and sweet there, but that's a great story. Uh, Paul's last name, by the way, sounds like Korea, is in Paul Korea, the former NHLer. I checked with Paul. He, he very uh, generously and uh, politely spelled his last name for me. It's, he's not Paul Korea, but uh, the fact that he called in and told us the story makes him even better than NHL superstar Paul Korea. Uh, if you want to call and give us your favorite Islanders game story, the number again is 646 980 8857 call day or night and just tell us about your favorite game if you get cut off uh in the google message uh you can just call back and, and keep going uh our next story uh teller did not give us a name but uh he has a story about the one and only billy smith and you know normally billy smith stories end up with somebody getting seriously injured this one fortunately did not end up that way at least not for our storyteller uh but uh gonna bring back some great memories all right take it away Hey, Dan. Uh, hi, Michael. My favorite Islander game. 
this is a tough one because there's so many. But uh, mine would be uh, game one of the 1983 Stanley Cup Finals in Edmonton. Uh, Billy Smith put on the greatest uh, display of goaltending that I have ever seen. It was just uh, unbelievable. I just couldn't believe the saves that uh, he kept making. Uh, I believe Dwayne Sutter might have scored in the first period. And then uh, I think Kenny Morrow got an open netter, and I think the final was 2 nothing. But uh, that set the tone for the series, and it was just <laughs> just an amazing uh, display of goaltending, just, just an amazing game. Uh, I remember uh, Glenn Anderson shot the puck in after a, a whistle, which the Islanders didn't take too kindly to. But uh, that would be one that kind of sticks out for me. Thank you very much, sir, for sharing your call with us. Uh, Billy Smith, definitely one of the most memorable Islanders of all time. And uh, that series against Edmonton cemented his legacy uh, that had already been established years before. And, uh, boy, he was capable of stealing some games and uh, breaking some legs. So there you go. Our next call comes from Jeff. Uh, Jeff is a day one season ticket holder. But... Uh, his favorite Islanders game came uh, from 2002, a uh, series that, again, you know, was very memorable for a lot of people, and uh, he had some feelings uh, that I think a lot of us share. All right, go ahead, Jeff. Hi, my name is Jeff. I uh, live in New Jersey now for 30 years, but grew up in East Meadow. My family has had uh, season tickets to the Islanders since day one, so I have seen uh, all the cup-clinching games, well, not the one in Vancouver, but have seen all the cup-clinching games and seen all the games through the years, memorable, not so memorable. Uh, but the one game that has stuck out in my mind and the one I wanted to talk about was April 28, 2002, which was Game 6 of the Toronto series. And this was the game right after uh, Michael Pekka and Kenny Johnson went down with season-ending injuries. Uh, Pekka with the knee, Darcy Tucker. Uh, Kenny Johnson was uh, hit from behind by Gary Roberts and suffered... Uh, uh, one in a many series of concussions for him, unfortunately. Uh, but I remember, I, I've never had a feeling like this before a game, just out for blood. Uh, and I remember just driving to the game with my kids in the car. They were 11 and 9 at the time and just could not wait to get out to the Coliseum. Uh, and there was just such a feeling, uh, such a feeling of rage throughout the entire game. And the game itself was incredibly memorable. Uh, the team came out on fire. Uh, Tchaikovsky scored two goals. Uh, and the, the scene that probably a lot of people remember from that game is Eric Cairns uh, beating up Shane Corson and uh, leaving the ice with his fist in the air. It was, uh, it was quite an evening. And uh, for all the games I've seen through the years, when I started hearing about this podcast, that's the first game that stuck into my head. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to tell this story. Thank you very much for uh, sharing your story with us, Jeff. Uh, you weren't the only person who wanted blood in that series. Let me just put it that way. Uh, the bad blood started right off the bat. And uh, honestly, you know, you wouldn't think that Islanders fans and Leafs fans would, would ever hate each other that much. But uh, they did, and they still do. But that's another story for another time. Uh, our next call comes from Mark. Mark tells us about three of his favorite games. One of them is uh, one of the longer overtime games in Islanders history and is also a story about being a parent and uh, having to explain to your kids that no we are not leaving anytime soon <laughs> I'll let Mark tell the story go ahead Mark 
Hey guys, Mark from Deer Park. Love your podcast. Uh, feels, sounds like two fans, diehards going at it and talking. Great conversation. I'm going to break the rules a bit. I'm 45 years old. I've been an Islander fan since the spring of 1980, so there's no way I can give you one game. So I'm going to give you three. Game number one, 1982, deciding game five at home against the Penguins, down three to one with less than six minutes left. I am eight years old at the time. I'm there with my father, my sister, and my brother. My brother is five years old at the time. Those games started at 8 p.m., so they started late. And after the third period, my brother was exhausted and wanted to go to sleep, but there was no way we were leaving. So my dad took our jackets and made a bed out of one of the seats so my five-year-old brother could sleep under it. Of course, they come back. They tie the score in the third period. I remember the absolute silence and slow motion when Mike Bullard of the Penguins came in on a breakaway in overtime before battling Billy Smith, just barely made the save, and the absolute roar and the crazy sounds when Tinelli put home the winner. I remember people joyously and deliriously hugging each other. I remember guys running up to my father in the parking lot and just giving him hugs. And that is one of the reasons that I became such a diehard fan where I felt I was part of this team and I was part of this community. Let's fast forward 34 years later, 2016 playoffs. I know he's not here anymore and we don't have, we have very hard feelings towards him, but Tavares tying the game six against the Panthers with about a minute left to send that to overtime. I'm at that game with my son. He at that time is six years old with me. Game goes through the first overtime. I don't think I've ever been as nervous. I couldn't handle a game seven if it had to go back to Florida. It's the second overtime. The game's going on and on. My son, his head is now in my lap. He's exhausted, and he says to me, Daddy, can someone just score? And I said to him, Buddy, as long as that someone is on the Islanders. Sure enough, a minute or two later, Tavares takes his own rebound, wraps it around, and we go absolutely hysterical in delirium. Game number three is just last year. The first regular season game back at the Coliseum. It was almost surreal. I got emotional just walking into the building, thinking I would never see them back home on Long Island again. And to know that not only at that point was Belmont becoming a reality, but we were back. We were back home, and I was there again with my son, and I got choked up just walking into the building, just feeling like, wow, I'm back here. I'm back home. And, of course, the way that the crowd was incredibly loud and sung along with the national anthem, and then, of course, coming back from a 2 nothing deficit in the second period to then take the lead on the ultimate game-winning goal by Casey Sezik. It's just very special going back there, knowing we were soon coming home and we're coming home for good. And I'm sure in a few years, if you did this again, I might have game number four on there, which would be the first game at Belmont, because I'm certainly going to be there, and I'm going to be there with my son, my father, and my good friends who have come to many of the games with me over the years.
uh, thank you, Mark. And thanks to everybody who also had uh, kind words for the podcast. We really appreciate it. And yes, uh, as a parent myself, I can uh, attest to the difficulty of explaining that the game is over when it's over. <laughs> and uh, they'll get it eventually, uh, you know, especially if the Islanders keep winning overtime games, as they have for a very long time. Our next story comes from Mark in Queens. Uh, it was a late edition, but boy, is it worth it because it is hilarious. And in the words of Mark's daughter, pretty freaking awesome. <laughs> Take a listen. Hey, Dan. My name's Mark. I'm from Glendale, Queens. Been a fan of the team, the Isles, since the drive for five in the mid-80s, and I'm a season ticket holder for five years. I've been to plenty of good games, not in Biggest one, of course, being the double OT winner by 91 against the Panthers. But now that I got a daughter, this has been coming. Uh, part of my Islander fandom is now becoming watching my daughter develop as a fan and seeing how she becomes a, a good quality, wise-ass Islander fan. So let me give you one story, uh, which I hope you probably you won't get too many submissions from. Uh, our first experience for her as a heel fan was last December. We just we took her on the road for her first road game, happened to be across the border to Toronto for Hockey Night in Canada last December. Uh, you know that best as the Matty Barzell natural hat trick. Uh, Philpola had a goal in the first period. Islanders won 4 nothing. I kind of hyped up for uh, my daughter that it might be a tough night. We stands could be rough. So she was a little nervous. So as the Islanders scored early, she was a little nervous about cheering, whereas I went bananas. And she looked at me a little funny. Uh, but she got more into it as Barzell scored his hat trick in the second period. Uh, but what I kind of enjoy most is seeing how these observations that she's able to pick up on her own to become a good Islander fan. She mentioned for the third period comes along. The Islanders are up 4 nothing. There's eight minutes left. The Leafs bring out this three foot, uh, this 30-foot-long Gold Leafs gold banner. And she says very loudly, oh, now they bring out the big guns. Um, but the best observation she had from the night, and this is the one I'm always going to remember, is that she, after the game's over, she goes, she goes, she has to go hit the bathroom after the game's over, and she comes out and she says, "But you know, Daddy, earlier in the game I went to the went to the bathroom, and all the women in the bathroom would give me a stink eye because I was wearing the Islander jersey, so they weren't too happy with me then. But after the game was over, they wouldn't look at me at all, and I just kind of looked at her and smiled and I said, "Well, how does that make you feel?" And she said, it made me feel really freaking awesome. That's a good Islander fan. Went to their building, vanquished them, stuck it to them, and there's nothing they can say about it. It's one of the best feelings you can have. My daughter's a good Islander fan, and you have a good podcast. Thanks for that great story, Mark, and thank you for keeping up the tradition of the wise-ass Islanders fan. They've been there since the beginning. They are an integral part of this fan base, and uh, we always need more of them. Our final story tonight comes from Benny. Uh, it's a very heartfelt and emotional story uh, about uh, a personal ordeal that Benny and his family were going through at the time and how the Islanders sort of factored in there. Uh, fortunately, it has a happy ending for everybody, so uh, take a listen. Hi, my name is Benny, and my favorite Islanders game took place in the 2017-18 to 18 season. Uh, I got a group of 10 of my family members, some of them not even Islanders fans, to go to a game so we could get those replica fishermen jerseys. And we traveled from all over the Northeast, most of us coming from four hours away or more. Uh, it was February 9th, 2018, against Detroit at the Bark. And uh, as some of you may remember, this was a miracle comeback, but it meant so much more to me 
Um, the day before the game, my wife and I were told by doctors that our uh, second son, with whom my wife was five months pregnant, was going to have multiple issues upon birth and probably not live long. Uh, needless to say, we were devastated, and the game sort of took a backseat in our thoughts. Well, you're already in Queens when we got the news, so after a lot of prayer and thought, I decided to still attend the game uh, while my wife stayed at my grandfather's house and watched it on television. Uh, for the first two periods, though, the Islanders looked like the Keystone freaking cops out there. They were uh, floundering, and uh, most people, some people left the game. We stayed, um, and boy, did it pay off. Uh, with the Islanders down 5-2 to two, with six minutes left, in the game, Cal Clutterbuck, of course, who else, drew a five-minute major, and he was slashed while heading to the bench. And the Islanders ended up scoring four times in the same power play uh, to take the lead. We were joyously stunned. The crowd that had remained was going insane. Um, and my 80-year-old great-aunt's first hockey game ever was this one, and she could not believe the rowdiness and the noise of the drums right above our heads. Uh, it went from being so loud, though, that you're not able to think, to being so quiet that you could hear a pin drop because the Red Wings tied it up with 30 seconds left and went to overtime. And uh, But Islanders made quick work. Barzal stole the puck along the boards in the aisle then and used his speed to carry the puck in the offensive zone. Nelson came flying down the left side and buried Barzal's feed, which completed a hat trick for him. And Barzal had five points that night, one of the three times he hit that feet as a rookie, I believe. And the place went wild. The players were going nuts. We were celebrating a regular season game like we had never done before. My two uncles decided to play with the hot sauce dispenser on the concourse. One of them laid on the ground as people walked over him, and the other pumped hot sauce into his mouth, most of it landing on his neck and face. Uh, people were stopping by to take pictures. It was truly an insane atmosphere. Um, anyway, I had sort of forgotten all about the doctor's diagnosis, and uh, afterwards, though, um, I could not think that maybe the miracle comeback was a sign. It may sound silly to some, but... The feeling was so intense it was almost tangible. So my wife and I decided to get another test done. And after a lot of prayer, we received news a week later that our son was healthy. And the doctor said it was a miracle. And to this day, especially when I see him in an Islanders onesie and Islanders stuff, of course, um, I think back to the miracle comeback and smile because he is our miracle. And, um, yeah, I really do believe that that game was a sign and it was just an amazing game, amazing atmosphere, and uh, something that I know I'll never forget. So that's why that's my favorite Islanders game. Thank you very much for sharing that story with us, Benny. It, every aspect of it is totally beautiful, from your son's health to the comeback itself to your uncle's drinking hot sauce to your great aunt going crazy uh, in the bark. It, the whole thing is just awesome, and, and we really appreciate it. And we really appreciate everybody who called today. This was great. Thank you so much. Uh, we will be back next month. But here's the hook. We can only be back with more calls. So please call us. Tell us your favorite Islanders game story. You've heard all these great stories today and in the last episode, too. We want to hear yours. The number is 646-980-8857. Again, that's 646-980-8857. You can call anytime you want. Any game is is on the table. We just want to hear about your most memorable Islanders games. And, in fact, we need them for the show to continue. 
As always, read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. You can download and listen to all of our podcasts, including Islanders Anxiety, PT Isles, Isles Buzz, Islanders Award Winners. Uh, You can listen to them right from the website. You can download them and listen in any podcasting app of your choice. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. Just search Lighthouse Hockey wherever you want, and you'll get all of our podcasts all in one feed. Thanks to all of our callers for sharing their stories. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.